Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us. Jesus! God and baby. Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Bearded Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that jockey, homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is March 23rd, 2019. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jay Cat Morris. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm going to pop in today, do this thing. I got some, uh, you know, kind of big things going on this, this next week. So, uh, you know, I'm going to have kind of a busy week coming up. I figure I'll uh, knock this out now. I'm probably not going to be able to do another show until next Friday. Uh, my birthday is on Thursday, going out to AC Wednesday night, staying the night. Uh, next morning, I wake up and head down to Queens for the um, the Museum of Moving Art. has a Jim Henson exhibition that I haven't gotten a chance to get out and seen. I've been meaning to go since they opened it, I think, a couple of years ago now. And they have tons and tons of puppets there, like original stuff and, you know, just, just legit stuff that I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing. I'm going to bring my one puppet, Grizz, out there. So, uh, you know, get a bunch of photo ops of Grizz and, you know, his heroes. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the whole ordeal. Um, 
so yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, Tuesday night, I'm supposed to go. I have to renew my ID because it's expired by a lot. Um, and then I can go and try to get a new phone uh, Tuesday night. So there's that. Um, so pretty much I got like Monday night where I'm going to go train my ass off. Tuesday night, going to run around doing that shit. Wednesday, heading to AC. Thursday, you know, the rest of the birthday stuff back home. So again, I uh, really don't have any chance to do any kind of podcast type stuff or nor will I care much about it, you know, for the entire week. So, um, yeah, I figure, uh, I pop on here, get into some things cause I, I do have some things to cover. Um, first thing I want to get into something that's, uh, you know, pretty, uh, close to home topic. Uh, King Kong Bundy had died. Um, that's not nearly as close to home as the, you know, what I'm about to say, uh, you know, rest in peace, King Kong Bunny, an absolute, uh, legend and all of that. Um, but I had been sent a couple messages by a couple people saying, um, you know, King Kong Bundy's cat needs a home. This and that. So the first link I saw, um, and the first pitch I heard was his cat needs a home. So, upon, you know, clicking on the link, it brought me to, um, a picture of a, a cat in, like, a PetSmart type thing, um, for those who don't know, uh, sorry, you a lot of yawning and shit, I hit the gym, came home, ate fucking dinner, and, uh, I don't know, I'm fucking yawning my ass off, so, hopefully I'll, uh, snap out of that during this, uh, podcast here, but, um, so, for those who don't know, um, a lot of rescues, they will get cages in your pet smarts and pet co's and things like that. So a lot of times when you see cats in pet co or pet smart, they're being hosted there through a rescue. So a lot of times, um, that's, that's their way of showcasing them because obviously, you know, rescues for the most part don't have like a central headquarters that you can come and visit and, and view cats and, and things of that nature. So a lot of times they're presented within your pet smarts, your pet co's and stuff like that. Uh, you can usually see on their bio page or whatever, what rescue um, they're based out of or whatever the case is. So um, I saw that this was, uh, I think the cat's name was Pat and she was 15 years old, which is fucking terrible. You know, to end up in a, in a rescue and being showcased in a pet smart and stuff at 15 years old. That That's really rough. I mean, um, so my, my first thoughts is just judgment. You know, I, I'm fucking quick to judge. So I started thinking like, yeah, he doesn't have a single fucking friend or family that could take this cat and this and that. Um, so come to find out that, um, it's not one cat. Um, and, and I do have some questions. I don't have any answers, but, um, supposedly according to the story, after I read into another article, he had 10 cats. Is a big cat lover. He had ten cats, four of which went to a rescue. So I don't know if friends and family took six of them, or where the other six went. I have no idea. But one of the cats that wound up needing a home was a fifteen-year-old cat. So again, I I don't know. You know, sometimes that, that's that bullshit. You know, you'll have a family member that takes the three-year-old and then sends the 15-year-old up the road, you know. So I, I don't really know the circumstances and where the other six cats went or anything like that. I can only speculate, but uh, that's 
not going to help anybody. Um, so supposedly, um, then reading up, I, I clicked on the link that went to the uh, rescue page and it has right on their homepage. It's, you know, King Kong Bundy's cats need a home. And uh, it says one of the cats got a home and they're trying to send the other three cats to a home together, which three cats, three cat adoptions are not easy. Uh, two cat adoptions aren't easy, but um, three cat adoptions are a little bit harder. Um, I actually got two three cat adoptions in one week in this past year, which was like unfucking heard of. Like, um, I, I don't know if I've ever done that before. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, um, it, I got two brothers and another cat adopted together. And, um, then it was like a mother, father and kitten all went home together in the same week, which was again, unheard of. Um, the other thing about this is people are star fuckers. Um, I have no worries whatsoever as long as these cats are in decent health to re-enter any kind of new home. I have no doubt question in my mind. That's why I didn't even look up to like actually plug the link or whatever as far as, you know, these cats getting a home. These these cats are as good as adopted. Um, I've seen, you know, countless wrestling fans posting, oh, I should go get the cat, I should go get the cat, all this, you know. Oh, super cool King Kong Bundy's cats. And so I already know. Uh, I just hope they're in a good enough rescue to screen the people that aren't just doing a shit for a novelty, you know, uh, and are going to give these cats a legitimate good home. Um, but like I said, people are star fuckers. And um, we've, you know, in my near 18 years at the shelter I work at, we've had a lot of situations. And as soon as one situation hits the news, people will come into our shelter and they will walk past every animal that needs a home because they saw that one on the news. And they'll specifically ask, like, is this the one from TV? Is this one of the ones from TV? Is this, the, you know, one of the ones from that I saw on the news? And it's like, yeah. you know, of course, we're trying to get those animals homes, but sometimes they're walking past animals that spent two years in a shelter to get to those because they saw the news story. And so my message on, on this whole thing is I, I honestly think that King Kong Bundy's cats are going to be just fine based off of them being King Kong Bundy's cats. But if you love King Kong Bundy and uh, you're looking to help cats and that type of thing, use this as, as motivation to go adopt a shelter cat from wherever you are. This, this man obviously loved cats. Yeah, he went out there, he entertained it. He entertained it. <laughs> he entertained us. Uh, you know, he, he went from his wrestling career to being a, a very, uh, like warm, uh, kind guy from every account that I've heard from anyone that's met him seems to have good stories and good things to say about their interaction with him. Uh, he went on to do like comedy shows and stuff like that. So he seemed like a fun loving guy, you know, and 10 cats, all of that. So in tribute of King Kong, buddy, why don't you all ones who really, really want to go help. And, and you know, this, this kind of hits you somewhere that these cats need a home, go out to your local shelters, adopt the cat. That's perfect family. You know, find the right cat for your situation. There's cats of all shapes, ages, colors, sizes, situations, temperaments, 
um, go go adopt a cat and name the motherfucker Bundy or whatever. If, you know, let this motivate you to contribute to something you've heard about cats and cats needing a home. Because I, I, I am telling you right now that I would not be surprised if those three cats, as as a three, as a set of three, I would not be surprised if they have multiple applications on them already. Um, I could be wrong, you know, uh, sometimes in the, you know, animal rescue, animal uh, adoption world, you'll have a couple that come across and you're like, oh, this guy will be out of here in no time. And then you're staring at him for months and you're like, how the, how the fuck are you still here? And then you have other ones where, you know, people doubt them. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is adoptable. Next thing you know, it's like, boom, out of there. So some things are a little harder to predict, but this has a tremendous spotlight on it being a very, very famous wrestlers, um, you know, cats. So, uh, but yeah, I'm all for people caring about cats and, uh, you know, don't do it as a fucking novelty. These cats, these cats don't need that shit. These cats don't need you to bring your friends over and like, look, it's King Kong Bundy's cats. I mean, these, these are animals. My biggest thing and part of what makes me as successful as I am in doing what I do, and I don't mean successful monetarily whatsoever, because that's not the case, but uh, successful in getting cats homes and cats that people have counted out and, um, you know, just, just kind of odds are against them. And, you know, a lot of people are, are naysayers as far as, you know, them turning it around them getting a home, their personality, making any progress, any, any kind of thing like that. But the reason why I'm so good at what I do is because I treat every cat individually and I make sure that each one of them get the, the individual attention and, and really get treated, you know, as, as uh, special. Every one of them is special. Every one of their lives count. Um, I'm actually, I was thinking about it today and, you know, I did that, that fitness podcast and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I got some good reaction from it and, uh, I, I don't know again, like I, I'm not really sure that I could do a consistent thing of that nature. You know, I don't, I don't think I could do, um, like a shitload of hours on fitness or whatever like this. Um, if people are sending me questions or specific topics on the topic, and it's extensive enough where I feel like I could elaborate and really get into something and make a make an hour out of it. Well, then I'll do another one of those. Otherwise, I'm more likely to just attach different things and thoughts to this show, you know, just to do a regular show. But what I had thought about is, you know, do a couple themed shows. And one of the themes I definitely want to do, because I have a lot to fucking say about something I know more about than than most people and I have a great amount of pride in what I completely center my life around, and that's cats. So um, I'm going to do a podcast about cats and shelter life and, um, you know, uh, tips and and all of these things. And I think I have a ton to offer. I know I have a ton to offer in that field. So um, I'm going to float out a podcast, uh, an episode of that sometime within the next couple of weeks. As I said, my next uh, week is, is kind of busy and just really not, uh, you know, uh, super focused on a podcast at the moment. So uh, the one I'm doing now is what we'll have. And then from there, uh, it's just in the, in the near future plans. So and then, you know, before then, if anyone has any other topics or questions or ideas for a show you'd like me to do um by all means you know send them my way i'm i'm kind of open for any kind of shit um 
so yeah, I think that's all I had to say about uh, King Kong Bundy's cats. Um, that's crazy. Like, just for an example, years ago, um, we had a there was a, a little shitty pet store, which most pet stores are shitty. Uh, if they're selling dogs and cats, and they're not from a rescue organization, and they're they're getting puppies, they're getting them from a puppy mill. Um, that's where they fucking come from. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a catch 22 because it's like, you want to save that individual dog, but you are supporting a business that leads to torture and death of many, many dogs and puppies and, and, uh, you know, mistreatment of animals. And it's tough because you got to turn away from that entire situation, including the dogs that are alive and really do need someone to take them into their care. But the best thing to do, I think, is to, you know, um, if if you want to make a difference, if you want to be driven at, at making a change as far as that goes and helping those dogs, then, you know, go and, and uh, get active and try to get those fucking places shut down. And when those specific dogs wind up in a rescue organization, then you go and you support and you, you take one of those dogs home when they've been vetted and, and taken care of and they're being filtered through a rescue organization. Because if you just put the money into that business, it continues that business to do the terrible things that they do. So it's 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 tough because it's way more of a roundabout way than just taking the cute puppy you see home. But if you just Google puppy mills and the type of shit that they do. It's, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. And the same thing goes for a lot of these different things. Uh, birds going on like a rabbit hole with this, but, uh, birds, um, that they sell on pet smart and stuff. I, I talked to, um, the leading parrot rescuer in New Jersey. Um, and he was saying that, um, these breeders, as far as like parrot keats go, they have cut their life expectancy pretty much in half through inbreeding. They just allow like a hundred birds to just continuously breed until they die in, in like a big shed, like a, like a shed. And they just let them breed and breed and breed until they drop and they just clean up the dead ones and, you know, collect the, the eggs and, and, you know, incubate and, and just continue to just the never ending cycle of just overbreeding, inbreeding, and they have knocked down a parakeet's life expectancy by some quite a bit, um, and you know as well as other parrots, um, parrots, and um, you know from macaws to your smaller versions of macaws and your um, conures and your um, cockatoos and and all of those things. Some of these these bird mills, what they'll do, and these are these are the places that PetSmart, Petco, those guys get their birds from, from you know what this guy is, has explained to me, and he he was breaking down exactly. He's like, yeah, this one is in such and such in Florida, and this one is in such and such, and this is where this store gets their birds from, and this is where this store gets their birds from, um, and they have pretty much like um, like tractor trailers, like the uh you know, the, the box part of the truck and it's a, the length of, of that. There's a small cage about the size of a cat carrier on the inside and a part that goes to the outside to give them air. 
and they can go on the inside or the outside. So put, you know, two small cat carriers like front to back, that's pretty much the space they have. One has, you know, open air type thing on the outside and one has, you know, just closed off on the inside. They live in those cages until they die. They take them out and they replace them with another bird. And you figure how many cat carriers can you put side by side and on top of each other in the length of a tractor trailer. That's that's what those parrots are being bred as. That's how they're being bred. And um, it's, it's fucking horrific. And they just let those birds breed until they die. And they throw that bird in the garbage. And they put another bird in that cage and let it breed until it dies. And then that's it. Uh, that's it. And that, that feeds the, um, the bird trade as it were the, um, you know, exotic bird stores and pet smarts and petcos and all of that stuff. So it's, it's crazy because on one end they will play host to your rescues w- when it comes to the cats. But on the other side of things, what they do with some of the small animals and birds and exotic animals of that nature, they're, they're mass bred in very, very bad situations. Um, again, if you Google a lot of this stuff, you'll come up with, uh, probably answers you didn't want to have, but you got to look a little into this stuff because, um, there's pretty much a rescue for anything you're into. I mean, if you're into reptiles, there's reptile rescues all over the place that are taking, you know, uh, the failures of people who didn't, weren't, weren't committed to having these things. So they took them from these stores and they continue the never ending flow of that through stores. And then, they wind up in rescues and shelters and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, just, just check into things. You can find bird rescues. You can find, uh, reptile rescues, cat rescues, dog rescues. But again, um, you know, as far as dogs and cats go, like I would definitely check your local shelters. They're really fielding a lot of, um, things, some rescues. I can go for fucking days on this topic. This I'm going to stop after this, but, uh, some rescues will, will limit what they actually take. Uh, I've learned a lot of rescues are, are kind of trash that way where um, they'll take, they'll say, all right, uh, I want only cats three and under, no black cats, no black and white cats, uh, no shy, nothing that needs any kind of work. And that's what they're looking to take from shelter. So they leave behind so many other cats that maybe an all black cat, that's the sweetest cat in the world. Maybe, um, you know, a cat that just needs a tiny bit of work and then you have the sweetest cat in the world. It's, um, you know, it's tough. I mean, that's, that's shelter life. And, um, the people who understand the cats the most are the ones you want to really talk to and, uh, you know, get in there and, and save a cat. So anyway, let's move on to this again. I can do fucking multiple podcasts on cats. I, I assure you of that. So, uh, look forward to that in the future. Um, but, uh, so yeah, um, Rich Swan and Sammy, I don't know where the fuck this was. I do not care. I, um, I think this shit is, is fucking terrible. Um, you know, there's, uh, there are some people who, yeah, Connor Claxton for one. He he's on some bullshit. He he's like getting riled up. Like if anyone's saying this is not wrestling about anything, they're like, I want to fight you because just fucking wrestling is. 
I take a different stance on that. It, it's all wrestling. Because as far as I'm concerned, wrestling is turned into complete trash. So um, the people who are doing these type of things, these shock and awe things, they're owning it and defending it and standing up proudly. This is wrestling. Wrestling is subjective. All of this, it all falls under the helm of wrestling. Yeah. So you can own that. And I walk the fuck away from that shit. That's that's why I, I don't give a fuck about wrestling on a regular basis. Because that type of shit is, is encouraged. And, and defended to the point where like, yeah, fight me if you don't like what we're doing. Like, go oh, fuck yourself. Like, this shit is so fucking... It's weird. It's creepy fucking weirdo fetish shit. So, if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, there was a clip of Sammy spitting in Rich Swan's face to the point where spit is dripping off Swan's face. Like, if you poured, like, a bucket of water on the fucking guy's head, like, I don't know if there would be as much water dripping off of his face as there was spit. Like, he must have spit 50 times or, or 20 times on this fucking dude's face. It's, like, pouring off of his face. Like, like crazy fucking gangbang porn shit. Like, facial, crazy fucking shit. And that, that's, that's wrestling. That, that is wrestling. Everybody should chant, this is wrestling. Because that, that's what you motherfuckers are signing up for at this point. You know, it's funny because Sammy was one of my favorite wrestlers for a while. Um, when he was doing his shit in CZW and he had that super fucking dark gimmick, he was fucking crazy fucking hard hitting dude. He was fucking out there. He just did. He had this real don't give a fuck attitude. Um, he could work with anybody. He was an absolute beast in the ring. And um, yeah, his gimmick was just fucking un- unstoppable. Like it, he didn't he didn't. Um, he didn't waver in what his gimmick was and his shit was just brutality. It was just like, you're going to get this fucking psycho in the ring. And this dude, I mean, he, he was out there fucking bringing it to everybody. Um, I thought his entrance music was fucking perfect. He came out to that, um, uh, what the fuck is it called? Uh, muse, uh, space dementia. And it had such a great build and like a dark fucking, vibe and then he came out and it, it just it, it was fucking perfect so i i loved everything sammy was doing for a minute and he would do like his fucking spit in a guy's face whatever he would fucking spit in his hand and smack a motherfucker like he was gross to a certain extent but it did it didn't get into like the fucking like playing with the ass shit it didn't get into fucking spooning with dave christ on the fucking beach it didn't get into all this weirdo shit and this has been like this thing where wrestling headed in this direction where they were doing this creep shit and like super over the top gay shit, like for the sake of just doing it and like shock value. And those things just became the norm. And the more of the norm that became, I don't have a problem with walking away from this shit, man. I am not married to fucking wrestling being my fucking uh, preferred form of entertainment. Is that, you know, I, I fucking, I, I was attending shows every single month, sometimes more than once a month, for like 13 years, 12, 13 years. So when it starts turning into like a weird, creepy fucking atmosphere, the fans are younger now, because again, like part of that is I aged out of it. You know, part of that is where I, I fucking, I, I just got older, you know? 
I mean, Thursday, I mentioned my birthday. Thursday, I turned 41 years old. You know? So when you have your 21-year-olds that are super fired up and they're fucking getting into this and then everybody, like, tells each other it's okay. This is what it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. So the culture changes to the point where this is what it is. This is – there's no, like – you know, the the majority of the people who are involved in wrestling are not going to be appalled by it because this is the fucking culture. This is what it is. It's not a shocking thing. And now it's like that's what it's doing. It's going to that, that extent of, um, yeah, they say, like, some people can get desensitized um, towards sex with, with porn. Where, like, they start off watching, uh, you know, fucking regular porn, and then they're watching fucking threesome porn, and then they're getting into gangbang porn, and then they're getting into, uh, you know, like, that humiliation shit, and then they're doing this. Next thing you know, they're watching chick shit on guys, and then they're, they're watching this and that, and they, they keep ramping it up and ramping it up because the shit's just not, the shit's not doing what it did before, you know, that, that shock and that over the top, and wow, that shit's crazy. It they really didn't hit that fucking level anymore. Like they gotta keep fucking upping the ante. Well, that's what wrestling is doing right now with this shock and all. They're just gonna keep trying to out out porn themselves until it's fucking like they're straight up fucking a guy in the ass in the ring. And and, and you guys can laugh and all this, but like they're doing like finger in the ass shit. They're grabbing each other's cocks already. They're like biting cocks. They're you know. I mean, these are, I mean, Joey Ryan's whole fucking thing is like his, his entire wrestling career right now is surrounding his, his dick. That's like his whole fucking thing. It's like they go into the back and they plan before the match. Like, okay, what are we going to do with my dick this match? That that's, that's legitimately what fucking, what, what the conversation has to be. Like he's sitting down with another fucking wrestler. might be the baddest motherfucker you heard of. Might've been. You know, another dude you thought was questionable when you went into this, it doesn't even matter anymore. It could be your Nick Gages, it could be your fucking anybody. It all fucking goes back to that shit. And uh, it's just it's just part of wrestling now. Which is fine, you know, that's why you can't say this isn't wrestling. Because no, it's, this is what they're about. This is 100% what they're about. They love this shit. And they think it's hilarious. When they... When they shock somebody to the point of um, turning them off or having them be appalled, that's the equivalent of like um, like when a comedian tells like a, a completely like off color joke or you know like a like a way over the line joke and a couple people gasp in the crowd. Like they feed off of that shit. Now, comedy takes a lot more um, artistry, and it takes a lot more um, talent. It takes a lot more time invested. I mean, if, you're, if your whole thing is like, I'm just going to go out in the ring, and I'm just going to shit in my hand and smack the other guy like a gorilla, you know, like like just like a disgruntled fucking gorilla in the match. I'm just going to shit in my palm, and I'm going to fucking mash it into his mouth. Oh, yeah, like the fucking crowd's going to go, holy fuck, you know, like, holy shit, literally. But, uh... I mean, that's that's not talent. I mean, clearly that's not talent. I mean, you know, the the stuff that uh, Bucks Belmar was doing, I was like, wow, this is going to get fucking over because uh, he's doing, like, such over-the-top gross shit. Dude could fucking wrestle his ass off on top of it. But he had that gross gimmick 
fucking nailed. I thought he was going to work his way into the WWE with that shit because he had it so fucking nailed. But, you know, thought a lot of the stuff that Bucks was doing was cool. Not like, oh, like, yo, I can't wait till he spits. He, he has the fucking crowd spit in his hand and then licks it because that was, I mean, you want to throw up. But his whole gimmick from top to bottom was gross shit. So that's like what you came to expect with him is like this motherfucker is going to lick the bottom of some guy's shoe, uh, you know, during a fucking during the wrestling match. And like it's going to gross the other guy out. He's going to get the advantage like that. It's just it had some kind of purpose to it. It wasn't just gross for the sake of being gross. Some of it was some of it was definitely over line, but it it was his fucking character. Hey, you got guys that, like, he's, he's got a fucking athlete character. This guy's got a fucking cowboy character. This guy's got this. But then somehow they work into, like, fingering each other's assholes in the fucking ring. Because it's just just part of what... Okay, yeah, great. Uh, we got a good high spot. We got a good fucking danger spot. Okay, what are we going to do as far as, uh, you know, almost banging each other in this match? Like, well, we have to work that in. That's, that's the new shit. That's what we're doing here. So, like, in... You know, I can't blame fucking Priscilla Kelly. I, a lot of these people you can't blame because they're just going along with what works. This is this is all 100% works. Half of the time, uh, these guys are getting attention they would never even get if they didn't do some disgusting shit. Because are are you talented enough to keep up with a fucking uh, a ricochet? Or, or do you just want to fucking have another guy spit in your mouth and everyone's going to talk about you? You know, and the weird thing is now is as you get guys like Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan, they're doing this fucking over the top gross shit and they clearly don't have to. So it's just become that is just part of the deal. That's just part of the fucking agreement. Uh, just part of what you're signing up for as a wrestling fan is they're going to do some gross shit during the fucking show. They're trying to pop people in a different way than they were before. And they dabbled in that. You had a couple comedy spots, and you do the fucking, you know. Uh, they they had like faint types of things like this, uh, subtle, subtle mentions at this type of thing in the past. This this is another fucking world, and and there's no turning back. I I really don't think there's any turning back from where we're at now. And that that's again that's fine. Defend your this is wrestling. Fucking stand up for it. You know, this is what you guys should be proud of. This is what you should go forward, you know, with. So, I don't know. It's it's to be expected at this point, like 100%. There's nothing even fucking strange about it anymore. It's just like, oh, oh there's another one of them. That's it. Uh, at this point, it's like, you know, in the motherfucking, uh, the zombie movies and shit, I'm not a zombie movie guy, but you know, the zombie movies and shit, like the fucking guy that they're cool with walks in the room, their boy walks in the room and shit. And then suddenly like you realize like, Oh fuck, he's one of them now. <laughs> That's kind of what wrestling is. It's like, you're a big fan of the one fucking guy. And then he does something you're like, ah, oh, fuck, they got him too. Got it. You got to blow his head off. I mean, that's just, (laughs) that's what you got to do. I know he's your friend, but look, there's no turning back now. He's one of them. And I'm not, I'm not encouraging people to blow these guys' heads off. Just, uh, stop, stop attending if, if it's, uh, too much, which, uh, you know, was easy for me. Um, another thing, 
that's become commonplace. Uh, this ginger kid, I don't know what his fucking name is. I don't care. I'm glad that I don't know what his fucking name is. Uh, but he, from what I understand, he's a Matrimon student. Um, and he, he had a promo picture looking like an absolute dork on a fucking, uh, what do they call those, hoverboards? Some shit like that. Um... You know, it's just, it's become a complete mockery at this point. And I had some people, you know, talking and, and uh, defending this shit. And first off, the dude's name is Peter. Uh, he clearly does not listen to my motherfucking show. Because he's like, I'm so shocked that you would have this stance of all people. Like, whoa, first off, um, hmm. You must not listen to me much because all I do is fucking judge. And um, I'm going to judge until I motherfucking die. You know how they say, like, oh, you can't judge. Watch me, motherfucker. That's what I'm going to do until I fucking die. You you will have me fucking judging throughout. Uh, when I'm on fucking hospice care, I'll be judging my motherfucking hospice nurses and doctors and shit and making smart-ass comments until I can't. Until I'm unable to make fucking comments on what the fuck's going on. That's just, That's just what you're going to get with me. And if you don't like that, you can get the fuck on. You know what I mean? Fuck out of here. So, um, this fucking kid, he weighs like 85 pounds, and he's got these fucking promo pictures and shit like this. And then I saw the other Sean Henderson kid doing, like, the the, the most fucking ridiculous-looking Zandig pose ever. Like, he looks like he fucking, you know, switched the numbers on his sister's birthday cake, and that was his big funny joke, and now he's got a little funny little smirk on his face. Like, this is his wrestling promo picture. And as I've said before, you're selling a product. This is the product you're supposed to be selling. Your product is yourself. So when you sell it, it's the whole fucking package. It's, it's, it's your physique. It's your gear. It's your whole presentation from your fucking haircut to your fucking gimmick to your everything, your entrance theme. Everything comes together. And if you don't fucking present yourself as something that should be taken seriously, then you shouldn't be fucking out there. And, and um, the, the thing is, is these fucking trainers, they'll take these guys' money. And I've heard time and time again about this Sean Henderson kid. I don't give a fuck how much heart he has. He has so much heart. He has so much passion. He works so hard. He really wants this. Good. Tell the motherfucker when he walks into your school, dude, I, I fucking love your passion for this. Go get passionate in the fucking gym. And I'll see you in fucking six months to a year when you look more like a fucking wrestler. No, you're not up to fucking par on this. Okay, work on conditioning, do a ton of fucking cardio, you know, um, I want you to do this, this, maybe steer him in the right direction of some things that's going to help him when he actually does start fucking training, and he does get into the fucking, the, the hang of things, but make his fucking heart, make his fucking passion drive himself to look half like a fucking wrestler. It's gotten such commonplace that it's just like, whatever the fuck you want to do, whatever, as long as you want it. Like, this fucking kid is like, he, he's explaining on this thing while he's defending these kids. Like, well, at least he's out there trying and he's living his dream and that's more than most of us are doing. Bullshit. Go fuck yourself. That's, that's, that's participation trophy bullshit. That's like, everyone's a winner. As long as you're trying, we're all winners. Bullshit. There's winners and fucking losers. And you motherfuckers are losers. You are fucking losers. And when 
the wrestling business has turned into a thing where a fucking 85 pound kid can go out there and then everyone encourages him going, you're trying hard, man. You're doing your best. It's okay. No, it's, it's fucking not okay. Uh, to me, it's not okay. To, to the majority of the wrestling world, it is. And that's, that's the problem is it's become so, so acceptable. That's why, you know, when these motherfuckers, okay, so you got your skinny kids you got your fucking fat motherfuckers. You got your, your, your dad bod motherfuckers. You got your Joey Janela's who's got all the fucking charisma in the world. He, he's a fucking bump machine. He's out there fucking killing himself. He's getting all the pops. He's getting, he knows what the fans want to see. He's giving it to him. But as far as his fucking physique, as far as his body goes, he just turns into shit because he's out there going to Taco Bell in the middle of the night and fucking bar crawling and all this other just complete trash. He's not investing in his product. And then when I say this type of shit, as a fan of Joey, I've gotten to the point now I'm not a fan of Joey. He's a jerk off. He acts like a complete fucking um, childish fucking immature loser. And goes out of his way to fucking tell people to grow up online. Like, you're that blind to your own immaturity that you're actually telling fucking grown men who work six days a week saving animals to fucking grow up. Go fuck yourself. So, this dude, he just completely lets his shit slip and then gets mad at, at people who mention it. Thing, you know? We, we, have, we have gotten so fucking far into our feelings and out of our actual reality that that shit is it's out of control. When... You're so worried about your emotions where it's like you can't body shame. You can't body shame to a very high extent, but you're not worried about your body or your actual health in any other facet. So you're worried about your emotions upsetting you to the point of depression, but you're not worried about your, your fucking weight gain to the part of, uh, you know, clogging your fucking arteries and, and heart failure and that type of shit. You're not worried about putting fucking muscle on or putting any kind of fucking weight on in order to protect yourself when you're taking these continuous bumps. Someone's just going to take your money, stamp your fucking card, be like, yeah, you're a wrestler now, buddy. And then you just fucking, you just go out there and, and just, just risk fucking major injury on a regular basis because you don't weigh enough to, to endure this fucking punishment. Not on any time, but long term. If you do, by the time you get in any kind of shape, after all a bunch of bumps you've been taking, you're just going to be fucking broken down. There's not that many guys who showed up rail fucking thin and then somehow just turned into fucking phenoms in wrestling. Sure, people progress. People, uh, you know, people progress, people get bigger, people get better. All of those things happen. But I'm talking about, like, the the starting blueprint of what these guys are starting at a lot of the times, what they're beginning at, is unacceptable. Completely fucking unacceptable. But you you can take these guys' fucking money and call them fucking wrestlers. Sean Henderson, he, he posted a promo that somebody sent to me, and I swear at the end of this promo, the way he was fucking talking about his opponent, I, I thought he was going to, like, fucking call the guy supervisor. And tell on him that that's that's what I thought the end of this was not a fight. I didn't feel like this was going to end in a fight. I, I felt like he was going to report um, I, he was going to report his opponent to the HR department. And, and then that was going to turn into something that that's the type of vibe I got off of this fucking guy's promo. You know, you look at the other side of the spectrum, you know, and how much I put over Schlack promos. This guy is a big fucking very, very believable monster. You know, this guy gets on the fucking camera and you're like, whoa, shit, uh, there's 
there's a fucking guy that, that you got to worry about. You know, this guy looks like a fucking, like he broke fucking chains to get into the ring. Like, he, he looks like a fucking, like a loose fucking animal. You know, that that's what he looks like. And um, when he cuts his fucking promos, he puts fucking intensity into it. He puts creativity into it. These other guys are cutting these fucking promos that are just like, okay, yeah, I don't really like the way that you treated me at the last show. And I know you don't expect me to pop back, but, you know, hey, look. Hey, look, buddy, guess what? You're going to see me next month, and I'm not going to be very happy. And I got my boots uh, relaced. I actually got a, I got, a, I got a discount at Walmart, so I got two pairs of laces. So even if I work really hard in this match against you, I could, I could uh, give myself a fresh pair of laces right after that match. That's not going to matter to you because you're going to be unconscious when I'm done with you after next month. All right, buddy. That I mean, th- these are the type of promos that you're getting out of these motherfuckers. And, and then you want people to, to shell out their fucking money. And then again, this is where it gets weird for me because I'm a grown ass man. So this is where like you look at this type of shit and you see that this is passable to a lot of people and you go, yeah, it doesn't make sense for me to support this shit. It doesn't make sense for me to, to show up. Can you imagine me at 40, 41 years old standing in a fucking crowd yelling this kid's fucking name? Like what the fuck kind of shit is this? You know, and it's crazy, and, and I'll fucking say, hey, there's another thing I'll say until I fucking die. I continue to be in better shape than half of the fucking wrestlers on the indies. So, make the, make changes, make fucking changes, make that not a fact. Make that not a fucking fact. Go better yourself to the point where you're like, okay, well, I look like a professional athlete. This guy takes care of cats, and I mean, he's in damn good shape, but fucking I look like a professional athlete. The fact of the matter is most of you aren't. So just because you paid somebody money and they've told you you're a wrestler and now you have fucking mic time and you can cut a promo and you keep showing up no matter how hard they hit you. So you got the heart. You're not fucking marketable. There's nothing marketable about you. And when it comes to, oh, well, well, that'll that'll limit his success. But that's his agenda. And the dude, but the, the indies don't need to be a fucking a B movie. They don't need to be something that you turn away from because you're like, yeah, these, these guys are, you know, it used to piss me off. I used to watch, uh, or I used to listen to uh, Don Tony, the Don Tony and Kevin Castle show. And I would like hate listen, like a hundred percent. Like that's what I would do. I'd, every week I'd be like this motherfucker. And like, he would never ever mention the Indies at all. And occasionally I would ask a question about, uh, hey, what's your thoughts on this and this? He would shoot shit down every fucking time me or anybody else would ever ask any kind of question. Because, you know, I would I'd be in the chat room and all that other crazy shit. And, um, and he would say, the indies are like an off-Broadway pro- play. They're doing the same type of thing, but they're not ready. Now, all of a sudden, you know, years later... When all these guys started showing up on TV, he started saying, yeah, I used to watch Dean Ambrose in Ring of Honor. Like, no, you didn't, asshole, because that's not where he fucking came from. You know, it was a bunch of just like complete bullshit from top to bottom with that guy. 
he would tell you CZW uh, was all it was all glass and light tubes and 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 blood and and guts and that's all it ever was because I was doing flyers for XBW and we sat there and it was like five six death matches I left after the fourth one yeah okay asshole like I I went for again like fucking twelve thirteen years straight and other than a tournament of death there was never a fucking five death match show on CZW ever ever. But it was his, like, you know, his view of what it was that he just didn't want to waver from. He wasn't going to give it a chance. He wasn't going to. Now he's marking out for half of the shit that, you know, the fucking WWE is half an indie product put onto TV. That's that's half of what it is. And, like, you, you couldn't fucking give it a chance when CM Punk was wrestling Raven and fucking ROH. But as soon as CM Punk's on your fucking Raw television, you have two hours of things to say about it. You you have You have lots to talk about, you know it's fucking completely backwards, you know, because you don't give the guys a chance to one second, the second they get called up, suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, now I got a, now I got an opinion on this guy because I've known him for years. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not the guy you are. So this is what I mean. Like, a lot of times the indies gets viewed as off-Broadway, or I didn't even mean to go on a whole Don Tony thing, but... um. Yeah, it gets viewed as a, as a B product, as an off-Broadway play, as, as a you're not ready, this and that. And when your casual fan sees these little skinny motherfuckers or dad bod motherfuckers running around, and this is what this is, what is this is. Oh, that's their, that's their main event? That's, that's their fucking main guy right there? Oh, this, this guy gets a promo? This guy gets mic time? Oh, well, this, this clearly is some old fucking B show shit. This is some off-Broadway shit. It's... None of these motherfuckers are ready, so I can see why they're on this fucking indie show. And I don't know if I take this company very seriously if this is what they're doing. And this is why, like, a lot of times I said H2O, they had, um, they had possibilities, they had, uh, promise, they had hope. A lot of it reverts back to what money, what, what works financially. And what works financially is the cheaper you can get it done and get a pop, the better. Um, and that that's what I think the majority of what we're stuck with now and, you know, the type of things you're getting. And you're getting these little fucking kids who never belonged in there, but they paid match remont. So now they're fucking, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're full-fledged fucking wrestlers. These guys are in the business now. And, you know, look. Uh, people might feel differently about this, but like Rob Dimensions fucking kid, they, they fucking threw him in the best of the best. And I flipped the fuck out about that. Cause he was like fucking 16 or some shit like that. And I'm like, DJ, what the fuck, man? You got Tony Nese in the fucking scramble match. He lost to fucking Brittany Blake. Brittany Blake went over in a match against Tony Nese. Tony Nese is on the fucking mania card. I don't know. Does Brittany Blake even fucking wrestle anymore? I hope not. I mean, she was fucking terrible. Every fucking minute she ever wrestled, she was terrible. She fucking, uh, she was there. She was the guy, you know, she was the one. She she was the go-to. DJ's, like, future. Oh, she's going to be the future, this and that. She did Dave, Dave Chris fucking move. She was in Dave Chris stable. Did Dave Chris move while he wasn't there on a show? He flipped the fuck out. She never worked for CCW again. So that's how a lot of dumb shit works there. So on that same show... This fucking uh, Kurt Robinson kid looked way fucking underweight. 
looked like he should have been open in a fucking dark match at best, was in the best of the best tournament. And when DJ was questioned about it, he's the future of the business. Uh, This time next year, we probably won't even be able to book him because he'll probably be signed. Or he'll be out of the business, which is what happened. So, So who looks fucking dumb in that? DJ does. Because DJ, you know, with his fucking wide eyes and his vision, and, oh, this this guy might be young, but uh, on the other side of things, Schlack's too green, despite the fact that he's getting over every fucking else, everywhere else he goes. He's too green. He's too green. But you put this other kid in best of the best, and he's got, like, a killer gimmick. Like, he's running around like a house on fire, like, trying to take people out, weighing, like, 100 fucking 10 pounds. That's what I mean. Frankie Picard, you want to fucking springboard him, you put the fucking wire title on him over Shane Strickland to take it back off of him so you may try to bring attention to Dojo Wars, and Frankie Picard still fucking built like absolute trash. And again, like, you know, you ask people about them, oh, Frankie's a nice guy, oh, this day, oh, Kurt, Kurt's a great guy, uh, yeah, oh, shit, fucking, uh, Sean fucking, what's his face? Oh, yeah, he's a fucking great dude. Nah, man, he's a nice kid. Uh, Yeah, you could be the nicest motherfuckers ever. So now you know who to invite to your birthday party. But when it comes to being fucking wrestlers and someone I'm going to take seriously for my fucking money, these aren't the guys. So if this is the blueprint, this is is your roster, this is what you're going to put on your poster, I'm not interested. I'm not interested at all. Another thing is, is I, I mentioned it before, but, like, stop with the DJ Hyde on fucking posters. Like, tell this fucking guy, yeah, okay, we'll book you, but listen, asshole, no one ever fucking paid to see you. If you put him in fine print on the bottom, it would be the same as printing his stupid face on your fucking, your your poster. No one's ever going to fucking show up because you put him on the fucking poster. If anything, they might not show up because he's on the fucking poster and go, oh, this... They're not shooting for, uh, you know, the top talent. They're fucking this guy. So, it's just crazy. It's absolutely fucking crazy. This this is what wrestling is, though. This is wrestling. This whole shit. So, be proud of yourself, guys. This is what you've created. This is what you've built. Wrestling has taken such steps in a great direction where there's now so many places to work. There's so many companies. There's such competition. You get these these shows that are running fucking blockbuster shows, top to fucking bottom. PWG, look what they were doing for all those years. I haven't heard as much about them recently, but, you know, look. I mean, how much talent's got to fucking leave from their company and end up in big-name companies and big contracts and this and that. So, I mean, they, they were setting the world on fire for a long time. But you got, you know, PWG, you got AEW, you got Evolve, you got Ring of Honor, you got... uh you know, what GCW is doing, you got, I mean, it's countless, the companies that are out there, but when you want to just fucking insult your fans' intelligence and try to convince them that, no, this is, this is just as good, like, this fucking kid, no, like, he's, he's got heart, this, this is, this counts for just as much as those awesome matches that other companies are booking, no, it, it doesn't, it really fucking doesn't, it counts for you, and when you close the fucking doors to that company, like like the fucking bulldozers collectibles, well, that guy will help you with the boxes. That guy will help you fucking break down things. He'll help you fucking chain the door shut. You know, he'll help you pull the fucking Hogan, Hogan Hall sticker off the wall or banner off the wall. 
when you never fucking advertise that month in and month out. Oh, that's just an inside joke, brother. Like, we just... Well, he never said joke, but... No, everybody knows. Everybody knows this Hogan Hall, brother. Yeah, but the fact is, is every fucking month you promote shows, and it's at the Glasgow fucking whatever, H2O Arena, at the fucking Glassboro, whatever the fuck. Hogan Hall, so rarely mentioned. Every once in a while, someone will throw it in a promo or some shit like that. Maybe points at the fucking wall when people are there. But you could fit 150 people in the building, so you're not really getting the word out to the world if it's only your fucking in-house attendance that, that's known about it. So that's a consistent thing that I've just considered to be like, okay, that's where we're at with that. There, there's no point to be proven. There's no anything like that. We made a big deal about it, and Jeremy, who's a big, big fucking fan. I got you five stars, host, and uh, he's got Matt Tremont tattooed on his fucking body. And he went to fucking... He went to task on this fucking thing. He he brought this thing up on, on his show. He he posted some things and, and tagged Matt in it and, and really went at it. And, and Matt did like a whole passive-aggressive move where the next show that Jeremy attended, he said, and welcome to Hogan Hall, and looked over right at Jeremy. Like, again, you can have a little passive-aggressive exchange with this and this, but you're not shouting to the world that this is fucking Hogan Hall. Because this is the guy to fucking, this is the guy to put our companies on on his back. This is the guy who held fucking indies in such high regard that you wouldn't even know the WWE existed through the words of Kevin Hogan. He might talk about it here and there, but when it came down to what was important every week was this show, be there. He he gave a fuck to such a high extent for you guys to be like, well, you know, the people who show up know. Yeah, okay, well, that's that's a really fucking large crowd. That Hogan Hall could be synonymous with that building and everything that goes on in that building from here to Japan and back. But that's that's not a uh, that's not that's not going to happen based on the direction that they've taken and and they've they've made their decisions on the, the entire thing, and it's it's become very very blatant since its uh, inception. Let me see what else I got. My man Shaheen over there at the Hot Tag Podcast is uh, the topics king. He's uh, loading me up with topics on a weekly basis. Um, all of those things I kind of had on the top of my head. And uh, he, he hit me with a bunch more shit. So, um, John Gray. Uh, John Gray. John Gray is a good dude. John Rare is a trash wrestler. Uh, John Rare uh on on one of these posts, on one of these these silly little fucking deathmatch pages, um, and that's what they are. All those fucking pages are silly. The fucking people didn't inhabit them are fucking trash for the most part. And you know, there's exceptions, but for the most part, they're like the lowest fucking form of life. Um, and they they love my show because of that. Because it's funny, every time I make one of these statements, they go back on their boards like, he's fucking at it again, he's calling us trash, fucking goddammit, like, fuck that guy, like, (laughs) anyway, uh, so someone posted, uh, uh, like a styrofoam board with a bunch of safety pins stuck in it, like, that are sticking out, like, tons, like, hundreds of fucking safety pins sticking out of this thing, and this shit looks crazy. Like, you look at it, and you're like, man, those fucking pins are going to go all the way in motherfuckers' backs. Like, I know it's, like, a, you know, as thin as a pin, so maybe it's not quite uh, 
you know, glass that's going to slice you the same way. These are going to stick you really fucking good, though. And shit looks fucking painful, man. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I would fucking pop for this shit, you know. Motherfucker stood up from a bump, and he's got these things all hanging out of his fucking back. Some of them are deep as fuck. Like, it looks fucking convincing to me. So John Rare, the fucking deathmatch wrestler he is, gets on the post and goes, we did it at Deep South. It's not bad at all. And then Chondo even gets on there and is like, dude, what the fuck? Why would you tell people like that? Why would you tell people that? Delusion is gone. You know, and he's like, hey, Faye, people, God damn it, LOL. So he's LOLing, but in the same token, that, that, that's real shit right there. Why would you as a deathmatch wrestler go on, on there and be like, it's not that bad. I understand, like, look, if, I, if I'm if i talking to a guy on a fucking interview and we're talking about different types of um, stipulations and this and that, and he'd be like, yeah, you know, those fucking things look rough, but they're really not that bad. That's That's a little bit different than posting on a fucking page, like, unsolicited and just jumping on there and be like, yeah, we did those. They're not that bad. Like, why are you offering that information out there to the fucking world that reads that? It just shows the the type of trash fucking deathmatch wrestler he's always been. Apparently, David Starr is getting a lot of heat, controversy, whatever the fucking case is, over this trash promo he did um, against Ring of Honor, against uh, Jay Lethal. I guess he's fighting Jay Lethal in fucking Jerusalem or some shit. I don't know. Um, And he, like, cuts this whole promo about, oh, you know, you're... You're booking a black guy against a Jewish kid, and, uh, you know, you, you're you using my Jewish heritage in order to, to get over in my homeland and all this other shit, but, but you're smacking me in the face because you're not booking me against Jay Lethal. You're booking me against Black Machismo and all this. It just, and to me, like, the promo wasn't that outstanding. It wasn't that fucking shocking. It didn't, it didn't like, go, make me go, like, whoa, that, he's really fucking shooting now. Like, I, I just... It didn't fucking hit me like that. I saw the buzz, and, you know, I, I had a couple people hit me up about it. Shaheen and, and a couple other people, and some even wrestlers are like, you know, what do you think about this? And and I'm not impressed. I'm really not impressed. Like, David Starr does a lot of fucking whining and bitching and shit online, and it really falls, like, right in line with his fucking millennial fucking entitled fucking attitude. That's exactly how that promo comes off to me. It's just, like, entitled fucking wah, poor me fucking guy. That that's what David Starr became, like pretty quick. He's a tremendous athlete, great fucking wrestler. That fucking cries all the time online. He's got a holier than thou attitude. Um and, and he's just, just a fucking millennial douche as far as I'm concerned. Um you know. But but uh, you know, that that's just my opinion on that. Um Apparently, uh, Sandman is no longer sober. Uh, there's a lot of footage of him drinking like a motherfucker after years of him being sober and him doing good and this and that. But, you know, this is addiction and goes that way. You know, uh, it's, it's something that most people don't get out of. Um, you know, you could steer yourself in the right path, but those vices hold fucking heavy, you know, and there's always, uh, that weight that's going to pull you back in the direction that you're most comfortable and especially when a guy, you know, works a fucking gimmick. I, I am a very, very strong believer that the wrestling business is not a good place to recover from uh, any kind of abuse, any kind of uh, substance abuse. And maybe, you know, you get a couple guys that can pull it off, 
but for the most part, I think it's a terrible place to fucking um, get through substance abuse. And it's, that's proven itself time and time again. There's been a lot of people lost in the wrestling business. Um, you get your fucking Nick Gages that spent five fucking years away due to his addiction and robbing motherfuckers at broad daylight and a fuck, robbing a bank broad fucking daylight because of his addiction. Getting out, can't after fucking like four or five years in, couldn't spend a whole fucking year out before he got thrown the fuck back in for violating. And you could yell, fuck the police, and fucking this is bullshit, and free Nick Gage. And no, he, he fucked up. He fucked up again. But it wasn't long after I saw him out the first time that he had a fucking beer in his hand, and he's walking around like, who's got the fucking, you know. That That's what happens. That's what happens if you don't get your shit together when you're at the fucking end like that. Some people can casually drink and casually smoke and casually do this and casually do that. But that's not an addict. The people who are addicted have a different fucking mentality. And it, and it's something that takes fucking hold of you. And if you're that person, you can't just suddenly decide, I can handle all this shit. You know, if it was one of your vices, if it was a vice, it was something that really had a grip on you. You can't dabble in it. You, there's no way you can dabble in it. Um, that It just doesn't go that way. It doesn't go that way. One thing generally leads to another... I mean, you, you got to have a really, really fucking strong mentality to handle any kind of anything. And um, it's just, it's clearly not there. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, there's been enough reports about Gage lately and within the past, you know, year or so. His fucking weight dropped. You know, he started wearing more shirts and fucking tight pants and shit. Or it wasn't like his MO at all before. His intensity's gone. I've heard different uh, accounts about him not being in the right state of mind backstage and this and that. And I heard this from reliable sources, too. So, uh, I mean, for me, it's alleged because I don't, you know, I, I'm not there. I'm not uh, I'm not his fucking probation officer or whatever. And I don't. he's off all of that now, so it's not like he has one. But that was, that was another thing I said, too, is, man, when this fucking guy gets all check-ins are off of his calendar. There's nobody to check in with anymore. His life's in his fucking hands. And, uh, yeah, I know it's the cool, tough guy shit to say. to be like, I'll die in a fucking wrestling ring. Fucking pussies that want to say that I should get away from the wrestling business. Fuck you. I'll fucking die here, motherfucker. Fight me. It's like, nah, dude, fight yourself. You're the one that's going to take yourself out. It's, you know, this this is... This is not new shit. This is not new shit at all. So, but you know, that's uh, the Sandman isn't isn't someone I, I was gonna think was gonna live a long, healthy fucking life. But again, I mean, if this guy got away from it, did some signings and this and that, stayed out of the fucking circle. I don't know. Maybe it would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't have. Not to say that he's wrestling every weekend or anything now, but you know. It just becomes part of the fucking culture. And Sandman was the fucking, you know, pound the fucking beers on your head guy. So it's like, the more you hang around the fans, the more they want to see that guy. They don't want to see fucking suit and tie Sandman, corporate Sandman, you know? Uh, so they're doing an Orange Cassidy show. Uh, I guess Nova Pro was a, a thing that I didn't know about uh, that... 
I guess, backed out of their show. So GCW got a fourth show, and they made it like an Orange Cassidy jokey show. Um, uh, they have like a Teddy Hart's Reading Rainbow they're advertising. I, I'm hoping Teddy Hart's going to read like a suicide note or something. Uh, that's the only thing I want to see that fucking asshole read. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. It's a big jokey show. It'll sell out because GCW really right now could do no wrong, um, especially in their fans' eyes. Uh, I think their shows have been absolutely dynamite, but this is one of these things. It's like they really can't lose. Um, All eyes are on them. Everything they're doing seems to be working. Uh, Their fans are not going to doubt this show, and, and I would expect it to sell out. Uh, best of the best so far is Johnny John Silver, David Starr, Myron Reed, some chick uh, Chris Statlander. I don't fucking know. Some chick Jordan Oliver, uh, and then they got Mance Warner and MJF for the title, which uh, I didn't know, but apparently uh, MJF is like admitted that he just kind of faked the injury around cage of death so he didn't have to work for czw so uh yeah they're so like back and forth a jokey type of shit and he's like he posted his whole like fake doctor's note thing saying like oh he made the most miraculous cover recovery ever he had the worst injury i've ever seen in my history as a doctor and he made the best recovery ever yeah I think his elbow is now stronger than any human elbow on the planet. Like, it's a whole, like, complete jokey fucking thing. And so, like, by all the, the way he he was writing and, and putting the shit up, it was like, yeah, yeah, I fucking faked that to get out of that. And I think it's hilarious. And I'm going to just be back over there. Um, Yeah. So that there's that. Uh, VOW announced the first eight participants out of ten for Lord of Anarchy 5. Uh, Dale Patrick's, John Wayne Murdoch, the Hooligans, Marcus Crane, Wax, and Neil Diamond Cutter, um, and two more to be announced. So, not a bad tournament. Um, Special K is returning, Azrael and Deranged. I think that's actually really cool. Um, those guys are always good workers. I, I do think Azrael needs to step his fucking charisma game up and, uh, really push himself. It's not often that I agree with things that Danny D'Amato says, but uh, Danny Danny was uh, on the THT podcast, and I got to agree with him when it comes to Azrael. Azrael's one of these guys that kind of went into autopilot. He go outwork fucking half of the wrestling business, half of the indies. He's always been a guy that, that's been able to do very, very smooth shit in the ring. He, he's, he's very, very good. But after a while, you stop with the hunger goes away and you're not pushing yourself to innovate and really pop the fucking crowd and do cool shit anymore. You're kind of just doing, you're going through the motions. And that's, that's a lot of what I've seen of Azrael over the years. There wasn't a ton of innovation. There wasn't a lot of like, Holy shit. Like, Oh fuck. Did you see that match? It was just a match. that was nothing wrong with it. Like you would look at the match and you know, amongst the card, you were like, Oh yeah. Azrael versus homicide was good. But there wasn't really much more to say about it. It was just, that match was good. Uh, Lethal Azrael was good. You know, and then maybe three matches later, they'd have a ladder match. And that one would have a little bit to talk about because they did a couple spots with the ladder and this and that. 
but your general Asriel match would kind of fall under the lines of basic, um, good, not bad, not where you would be like, oh, that match was terrible, but not memorable. And that's what I think Azrael has really fallen into a lot. And I, you know, I don't know how many years he has left at this, but I would really hope that he finds some kind of niche. He finds something that's going to work, fucking turns it up and really makes a, a big impact. Cause he's a guy who should be on TV uh, ability wise, but innovation and creativity and um, you know, uh, like that spark uh, that's not been there. And he's actually gotten himself in better shape than he's ever been. He's a personal trainer. He's always posting his videos. You know, he's a guy who's out there fucking working his ass off physically. But, um, yeah, it's, he needs to find some kind of fucking niche. Maybe the, maybe the Special K thing in, in 2019 can be revisited. And it just – Derange is another weird guy. He was another super, super fucking talented guy. And then, like, all these years later, he switched it and he, he was – uh. The fuck did he call himself? I forget. He was something else, though. And uh, I know Element was his rap name. I had him on a show years ago. He came on and was rapping and shit. Um, and he could rap, too. Um, the fuck was his name? I forget. But uh, he was uh, under a mask all of a sudden. And then they worked like a gimmick in Jersey All-Pro where he pulled the mask off and, like, Dixie was like calling him out, like, yeah, come back to the old motherfucker. And it, but Jersey All Pro like fizzled out. So that wasn't even like going to be a long term thing. And then you just don't see him. He's not a guy who's on the fucking scene. So it's just, it's hard to call. I, you know, part of me wants to say, yeah, that that's great. I can't wait to see what they have in store. The other part of me goes, it's going to fall flat and you probably won't even hear about it. Like it, It'll be a thing for a show or two, and then the guys will go back to obscurity as far as wrestling goes. Because they just, they don't seem to have that extra enthusiasm and intensity to just fucking go. Uh, Ability-wise, they're fucking top-notch. But there's something that's missing, and neither one of them seem to be able to find it. So I, I wish them the best. I like both of those dudes. Um... Uh, Bloodsport announcements. They got uh, Frank Mir versus Dan Severn. Uh, Josh Barnett versus Zuki. So that's going to be some crazy shit. G Raver and Oren Viter going to Mexico. DTU shit. That's cool. Yeah, and I think that's about all I got. Um, like I said, I got a couple you know, thoughts and plans as far as different shit I want to do in the future. Uh, near future. At the uh, animal-related podcast. And, uh, yeah, some different things there. Uh, what the fuck else? Did I, I thought there was something else I wanted to touch on. The LeBron shit is, is continuing to be petty. Like, I just... I, I, I've, I've had it with these motherfuckers. I just don't like them. I just, I just don't like the fucking people who are going to continue to pretend like his career's over when his numbers are still fucking pretty fucking great. Uh, did he show up in L.A. and immediately go to the fucking playoffs? No, obviously he missed the playoffs for the first time in a lot of fucking years since like his third year in the league. It's just not – he set the bar so fucking high that like they're calling stuff that – I mean, he's he's got better numbers than a lot of other big stars in the NBA. They're not shitting on those guys at all. 
They're not saying their career is over. Oh, he's coasting. He's, he's over. It's just, it, it's got to be fucking too, too fucking much. So I'm really hoping uh, they land a bunch of shit. And they will land a bunch. Of, this is fucking L.A. They're going to land a bunch of shit in the offseason. Hopefully land some dope shit in the draft. And then on top of that, they're, they're going to get some big signings somewhere along the lines. And, dude, you, you'll see LeBron James is far from fucking done. He's not going to hang out in the league and coast until his son shows up. That's not the fucking – come on, man. They're like, oh, he's not the guy who could bring a shitty fucking Cavs team to the play, to the fucking finals anymore. That was last year, you stupid dickheads. Like, what the fuck are you even talking about? It's just I, – I can't even fucking stand these people. They They talk all this crazy shit, and it's just like fucking keep all that energy going, man, because you're going to need that shit next year. When your hate is at full fucking force and you can't stop him from dominating the fucking league again. It's just, just fucking bananas. But, um, so yeah, check out, um, check out the Hot Tag Podcast. Check out, I got your five stars. Obviously, the Deathmatch Russell Podcast, um, the greatest podcast on the history of podcasts. Um, do that. Um, check out, uh, Lou Mavs. A homie Lou Mavs, uh, he's got a, a podcast called Music is Life, so check him out, uh, I listened to his first show, uh, I think, you know, man, for just starting off podcasting, his first show was fucking pretty damn smooth, uh, you know, he's got a lot of knowledge as far as, you know, going around in the, the music industry and, you know, working clubs and this and that, so I'm sure he's going to have a lot to offer in that. I don't know that I'm going to be able to listen on a weekly basis because, you know, I float in and out a couple different podcasts and stuff. I have a, a couple every every week shows that I listen to and then a couple other I touch base with when I can and stuff. And, uh, but Lou, uh, yeah, he's he doing a good job over there from what I see and a very, very humbling uh, mention. And he plugged me in the show and he said that, you know, my my podcast gave him – the made him comfortable enough to do his own podcast, which I don't know if that's because like, you know, you listen to my thing and I'm cursing every other minute and you're like, if this jerk off can do a podcast, I could do a fucking podcast. (laughs) Or if, uh, you know, it's something else, but I'm just joking. But, uh, it's very humbling, you know, to, to have anybody say that I motivated them to do anything. I still think it's extremely humbling just that people from Wisconsin and, and Long Island and Utah and California and here and there all over the fucking place. I, years ago I had Drew Gulak called in from the UK cause he was on tour over there and happened to be up and bored when I, my show was running and unsolicited, completely unsolicited, just fucking called in and was just like, Hey man, what's going on? What are you guys doing on the show tonight? Just like, you know, so I'm very humbled. The, the things that I've done over these years with this podcast, I think I'm something like eight years in, eight, eight years or nine years in. I, I lose track of it. I have to go back and look. I forget which year I, I started exactly, but um, very, very humbled with the amount of, uh, you know, statements and, and people calling me inspiring for this reason or that reason, whether it be the things that I do physically or the things I do with animals and the things, you know, those little podcasts that I do. Um, I'm very passionate about the things I'm into. Um, that, that's something you, you can never 
take from me because that's that's my own that's my own creation that's my own drive that's something i have and uh i'm very proud of that um i think you should really be about what you're about as simple as that sounds it could be very complex because people half-ass a lot of things through life so um when people take notice to me really you know devoting and dedicating myself to the things that i'm into i really appreciate that because that's um it's not something that I'm doing for, for anybody else, but in the same token, I, anyone would love to be appreciated for what they do, especially if, if they put a lot into it. So, um, you know, and, and that does get neglected sometimes by people that are very close to you. So when, when you get your random people from all over the country, world, wherever the case, and they're suddenly chiming in and saying, hey, man, fucking great show. Oh, I, I like the point you made about this or the, what you said about that. Like, I, I totally agree. That's it's fucking incredible, man. I, I never in a million years thought that I'd have people from other states and all over the fucking place, like, agreeing with me. It's hard enough to get a motherfucker in the same room with you to agree with you, let <laughs> alone, like, oh, this fucking guy from Utah thinks uh, I have great opinions on things. Like, shit, that's fucking amazing. So, um, shout out to fucking everybody that listens. Uh, I may come off like a complete Jersey jerk off. Um, I was just talking to somebody earlier today about that. It's like, there's like different, different vibes about people. There was a guy who came in today. who was looking at cats and, uh, um, he was like, it just had like a, like a weird kind of vibe to him. But he said that, yeah, like I moved from California and, uh, now I live over, you know, such and such jersey i moved just like two weeks ago i always lived in cali or whatever and it's just like he had just like a different way of speaking and a way of like conducting himself and like you jersey people it's it's fucking weird because it's uh everyone's different you know cali's got like a way more laid back and uh you know just like a different vibe to it you know people don't have the same type of energy over there that they have over here and, you know, Jersey, you know, it's, uh, I could at least speak for myself, you know, you, you get that vibe, who the fuck you looking at, you know, <laughs> just fucking asshole in my way over here, what the, what the fuck are you doing, you know what I mean, like, that's the attitude we got, um, where there's a lot more laid back, uh, peaceful, <laughs> cooperative attitudes in other states and places, so it may not be the best, uh, most comfortable guy to be around, being the Jersey guy that I am. And, you know, you go down south. We went down to King of the Death Match. And uh, as soon as you hit, like, West Virginia, you walk into the Bob Evans. And they're like, oh, it's so great to see you. We appreciate you. And, like, these people are being genuine. I'm like, what the fuck's this person's problem? <laughs> and all they're doing is being, like, overly nice. And I'm like, what kind of shit are they on today? You know, but that's that's the difference between Jersey and down south and uh, Cali and all of that shit. So I'm sure many, many states just fucking hate us because it's just like, you know, what what is their problem? <laughs> Why are they always angry? It's not even angry. It's just, uh, you know, uh, when in Rome, I guess, you know, that's, uh, but I don't think that applies to what I'm saying at all. Cause I don't go to fucking down South and start acting sweet to people. So I don't know. Just expect the, uh, the dialect of, of which the, uh, the natives are, I guess that's a roundabout way to say it. But anyway, so uh, that's all I got. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pop off, and then uh, like I said, hit me up with whatever, and um, 
Uh, I'll catch you motherfuckers next week. I would think uh, somewhere along the lines of Friday-ish. Something like that. All right. I'll talk to y'all later. Peace. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. Tired as rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all y'all and, uh, Shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. What I make you good? Like Jesus tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people, and I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. The Juza Kiss Radio. Jesus! A sacred night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness.